if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. At Horse Chats today, we're going to talk to Alicia Main, who was previously on the podcast as Alicia Evans. Before we start off and talk to Alicia, I just want to remind you about International Horse College. So horse welfare and safety are about most importance where humans have any interactions with horses. And within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. And we only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers in all our courses. Have a look now, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. So Alicia's earlier chats, 0462, introduced Alicia. And I'd recommend that you go back and have a listen to that to get to know Alicia. Alicia, are you there? How are you today? I am. I'm really, really good. I'm in Southern California and it's not raining, so that's pretty good. It's warmer than Colorado and it's sunny. Oh, but yes, yes. We've had a little bit of a shower of rain here, but um, so apologies in advance if we get any bit of a pitter-patter in the background, but we should be pretty right. Now, Alicia, you're known also as the dog healer, as in H-E-E-L-E-R. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you got into horses. You know, what is your journey to working with horses? So I've always had like horses in or around my life. I didn't have my own horse till I was 32. Um, but I've always been around them. And um, as a child, I, at five years old, my mom said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to become a vet and help that help sick animals heal and math and science came into my world (laughs) in junior high school and it was clear that that pathway was not going to happen but oddly like in my high school years um, a boyfriend he used to call me leash so that landed up later on um the way I kind of learned math and science of how it's applicable was I became a fitness trainer and when I started fitness training, I started learning about bodies and biomechanics and the science of how to create good health. And I was very lucky to meet my spiritual mom who kind of introduced me to chiropractic care and nutrition. And one year she gave me the gift of an acupuncture session with a Chinese energy master from China who's in New York City in Chinatown. And that journey really was was my I'd always had animals in and out of my life. I always had dogs, but horses, certain periods they were there and in certain periods they weren't. And um, eventually after having acupuncture for a while, I began to study an ancient self-healing martial art called Qigong. And Qigong really brought the horses back into my life in my mid-20s. So through that journey, I, I started studying animal communication, and I started studying about body alignment for animals through massage. And eventually I moved just a little bit after September 11th out to Aspen, Colorado, 
And that journey led me to having my horse, um, who my friend gave to me when I was uh, 33. So for 21 years, I worked with him, and he taught me so much about the horse world. And then the dogs as well began teaching me about how much they communicate on a different level, but it's so understandable. And then that led me into doing body work with animals, which kind of led to my PhD study. So my working with the practice of Qigong on a daily basis, it really opened up my awareness and my perception to how it's very easy to start connecting the dots of energy once you kind of get out of the intellect. And and I think I've got to say two things, Alicia. I didn't introduce you as Dr. Alicia, you know, having done a PhD. <laughs> and um, the other thing is too, you know, I just think if anyone's listening and thinking, oh, maybe this isn't for me, I would recommend that you just open your mind and just explore these ideas because, I don't know, Alicia, you know, some people might say, oh, they're a bit woo-woo, they're a bit out there. But I think as a person who enjoys learning, You've just got to open your mind to ideas and just go, well, right, uh, okay. You know, I mean, I, I always bring in the the story that we used to think the world was flat because we couldn't possibly live on right. a big, on a big, you know, like yep. the earth, the earth's surface and, and not fall off. But um, let's just open our mind to what Alicia's got to say today. Yeah. Yeah, and here's a really interesting part. So... Chinese medicine and acupuncture and Qigong, like these are all actual sciences that have been around for, and proven for over 5,000 years. Yep. So the Taoist masters actually studied with the animals to understand the true science of how this planet works, of how we work, of, you know, best herbs to take, of, you know, meridian pathways. So everything that I talk about, even though I might talk about the quantum, quantum just means that everything is included as opposed to like just biology or just chemistry. This is the inclusion of everything and the separation of nothing. So it's very fascinating to have had that background, you know, and, and, and learning in terms of my own health and my own well-being and then opening up to what the animals, you know, have to share about it from their perspective of how all of this works. And it really has brought me to the place where even when people go, okay, woo-woo, it's like, no, it's actually really grounded science. Like, we are the science. It's not yeah. Science is not something outside of us. It's something that happens through us, through the horses, through all of life. Mm-hmm. So... It's been really fascinating. Yeah, so the, so this science, you know, 5,000 years old and practised for many thousands of years um, that's been lost recently, yeah. but it's in the process of being revived. Yeah. Yep, yep. I mean, very recently, 100 to 100 years, 100 to 130 years maybe, right? But something that existed for five thousand years mm-hmm. with lots and lots and lots and lots of proof yes yeah so, so it's fascinating right because our our western medicine doesn't have even like the amount of a head on a pin of of information compared to what this 
you know, this ancient nature-based science has to has laid out for us over all of these years. So the animals have always existed in that realm. The horses have always existed in that place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they know what herbs to eat when they're in the wild. They know how to take care of themselves. They know how to raise their kids. Um, so, yeah, so the PhD was really interesting because for the, for the girl in junior high school who failed pretty much every math and science test, when I started really deeply practicing Qigong, I was like, oh, my God, I totally understand quantum physics from a deeply embodied state of understanding that everything is connected and everything is energy. Yep. So it's been a cool journey. And then going, taking it one step further and working on horses mm-hmm. remotely. So mm-hmm. this is, you know, like we talked about the woo-woo and you've said, well, ancient Chinese science, okay. So really it's it's reviving something that we had lost. But working on Correct. a horse 200 to 7,000 miles away and actually have them shift their behavior. You know, like this takes it one step further. So explain that to us. Well, I think it takes us beyond one step further. I think it takes us like a massive quantum leap. However, if I was to bring it down to the simplicity of science, there is something that Albert Einstein, who interestingly enough, I landed up being born in Albert Einstein Hospital in the Bronx. (laughs) Um, So maybe I got some of his scientific (laughs) DNA. I don't know. Um, But you know, he he turned he coined the term entanglement, and what he called it was spooky action at a distance, because he couldn't understand. He's, he's like everything's a closed system. So if it's a closed system, you can only deal with what's in front of you, right? The five senses, like what you could see, taste, touch, smell, and hear. And it was fascinating to me because I did I did not have a PhD on my bucket list. It wasn't like, oh yeah, someday I'm going to do a PhD with the horses and (laughs) prove that body alignment affects behavior, like with no uncertainty. And so, so I did that and we can talk about the study if you'd like. Um, But what happened was because I had been a Qigong practitioner for 28 years, the horses were like, you have to understand that that chi field that you have been practicing, you know, um, movement to attune yourself to that energy field. Because I, I believe that the chi field is really the unified field of that everything exists in. And they said, you know, basically what you're doing with this study, you're not just proving that behavior, uh, body alignment totally affects behavior actually proving quantum entanglements and I thought like how could this be possible you know from someone that like I said failed every math and science class but what they did was they started showing me that when I got my mental brain out of the way of, of what I was taught what I was instructed well now they were like this is how the living science of quantum science works. So my particles can affect another being's particles, even if we're 7,000 miles away via Zoom. Mm -hmm. And this is where, you know, Einstein kind of left off with, okay, that's spooky and that's weird. 
And I'm like, no, it's, it's not. It's actually cheap. Well, I think just two things there. I think body alignment affecting behavior. Any horse person who doesn't realize that has not developed much skill at all. You know, just the, the horse's health and their comfort is going to affect their behavior, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, yep. yeah, I can think Albert Einstein would have just thought Zoom was spooky. Right. <laughs> so, he would have. Probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy, right, because even the advent of that, even mm. the advent of telephones, even the advent of, like, our personal computers, I mean, realistically, we're really only talking about, like, the last 25 or 30 years of our existence compared to the fact that the universe has well, at least the planet, has been around for 13 billion years. Yep. So this has totally taken over and consumed our lives. But, I mean, look at how young it actually is. I mean, it happened in my lifetime, right? It happened in your lifetime. Yep. Yep. I can remember actually being at school. So I did a commercial course at school, you know, the the bookkeeping, shorthand Mm -hmm. typing. And, of course, we learned on manual typewriters, which I think are worth a fortune now because they're they're just relics of the past. And we had two commercial classes side by side. So halfway through our commercial class one time, they brought in an adding machine and we all had a go at this adding machine and we're allowed to type it, to put in one number and then pull the handle. And that was our experience with, you know, like, what has progressed now to the calculator, which is like on your phone. So, yeah, I've seen quite a few changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I'm just going back, okay? So you say empath, and, and I want you to explain a little more about what an empath is because the whole body-mind connection, is this something anyone can do or had you or is it because you put the time in or you've got a particular talent or just explain a little bit more about that? Okay. So empath to me is someone who is sensitive on the paranormal level of of like, we just get conditioned to see, taste, touch, smell, and hear. But paranormal or psychic is just like, if if a mom burns her hand on the stove and a kid feels her hand just got burned, or her hand feels very hot and then all of a sudden she needs to call her mom and finds out that that happened. All of us, all of us have the capacity for that. All of us also have the capacity for like a gut feeling, right? Like a gut knowingness, not like, oh, my brain logically and rationally is deciding this, but oh my God, I just got this strange feeling. Like one thing for me so clearly was one day I was going to work as a fitness trainer in New York City and something was like, take an extra peanut butter sandwich. I hadn't had time to eat breakfast that morning, but somehow something inside of me knew there was going to be traffic. So as I was sitting in traffic, I could eat. I didn't have to, you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't have to not eat. So it's it's that sixth sense, whether it's you, you are, you see pictures, you hear something, some kind of inner knowing, whether you feel it or whether you just know something's the truth. All of that, in my awareness, contributes to being an empath. For me personally, I can literally feel like if I'm standing next to somebody, like I can feel if they have a headache or a stomach ache or their body starts talking to me and will say, can you please have them 
you know, take another glass of water because I'm a little dehydrated or I can hear what their thoughts are or what they're stressing about. So in working with horses, it can be really helpful and it's been really helpful for me to be empathic because one of the things I had to do was let go of the notion like, okay, physically, yes, I'm a human, that's a horse, right? I'm not in any kind of delusion about that. However, everything that I was conditioned to know about who and what a horse is, how you deal with a horse, the limitations of what a horse is capable of, for me, all of that kind of went out the window because I communicate with a horse as naturally and easily, maybe if not more easily than sometimes I can communicate with humans because I can hear them so clearly and I can hear their bodies so clearly. So to answer your question, does everybody have this? We all have this. It's, it's literally, this is not woo. It's how we're wired. Now, some of us, may experience a lot of this in childhood, but it could become overwhelming, so we shut it down. Some of us may experience this in childhood, and other people tell us this is not acceptable. You know, don't don't think that way or don't, you know, talk about these things because you're not allowed to know anything unless you read it in a book or unless somebody told you that. But the fascinating thing about animals is, and especially, like, I work with a lot of Mustangs. Well, a lot of these animals come directly from the wild. So they already have their wild history. They already know what it is to be, you know, on their native lands, what foods they need to eat, how they feel, how their family structures work. This is just information as humans. We shut down from hearing because we believe we, we are on a higher level of intelligence than the animal. So it's, it is truly fascinating because they're so much more intelligent than we give them credit for. And I hate to say it, but we're so much less intelligent than we often give ourselves credit for. So that knowingness of having worked on a lot of dogs, having worked hands-on on a lot of horses, a client called one day and asked me to check on a dog that I had never, you know, like I, I did an animal communication reading, but I didn't do a body balance. Like I didn't think I could do mm-hmm. body balance at a distance, but because of all my time spent with Chi, I was like, well, just try it. What's the worst that can happen? You know? So it was a Doberman uh, that I worked on and she was having issues with her sister. They'd kind of get into fights sometimes. And I worked on the dog. The next day, the woman called me and she said, she's a completely different dog. And I was like, wow, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. And I could have gone to, okay, this is re- like Albert Einstein, right? Okay, this is freaking me out, people. <laughs> That's where I could have gone. But I just said, okay, well, if there's other animals, I don't know if this is a fluke. It could be, right? So I'm, I'm not like woo to the point where there doesn't have to be proof. There has to be proof. But when you start getting repeatable proof, like you're working on dogs or horses or cats and whether it's a behavior issue or health issue, and then like it's clearing up almost instantly, 
and you've never laid your hands on these beings, that's pretty powerful. It's not making anything up. It's just session after session after session. And then, you know, somehow you reach close to like 2,500 sessions and you're like, I cannot be making this up. And so there's something really real here for us to investigate, even at distances. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available. And the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Well, what about the animals? Did they experience similar things? You know, like you talk, and I know myself, you know, like you think, I'll just, I'll just take this shortcut today or I'll just, you know, and you've avoided an accident or I'll just, I've got time, I'll just go this this longer way and then you run into someone or you know, that you need to meet, that sort of thing. So I understand that. But do animals experience those sorts of similar things? So here's, I mean, and I'm going to tell you this from the perspective of directly communicating with them and directly hearing their response, okay? Yep. So they don't think the way that we think they think. We think the way they think is more like us, you know, because we're in our prefrontal cortex. We speak. We're verbal animals. Um, we're actually highly, highly intuitive animals, but because we speak, we often, and because we speak and because we get traumatized, we often cut off from our knowingness. The animals operate extraordinarily instinctually. They have a much smaller prefrontal lobe than we do, which only means they don't go through a whole ton of like analysis and negative self-talk and, you know, like being caught in their heads. They're very body-centered. So for them, everything is happening. I guess we, we're very linear as humans, right? So everything with them is literally happening in like a 360-degree bubble. So them following their intuition is not like, oh, they go up into their head and they're checking in with their intuition. Their body is literally their intuition. Whereas humans, we've kind of gone up into our intellect and then we're talking about our intuition as something that's also taking place in the prefrontal cortex of our brains, but it's actually not. It's taking place in our gut brain. So I'm, I do a lot of work in, like when I work with the humans, I'm coaching the humans a lot to go, so everybody's on the mindset kick. It's your mindset. It's your mindset. It's like it is, and it's also your gut set. And so animals are kind of following through their senses a different level of trusting. So they're very guided by their intuition. 
right? They're very guided by their gut brain. And I don't mean just for food. I mean, even in how they sense the energy of where to go, where to find the water, you know, it's a very deeply connected listening to their gut and then letting the energy guide them kind of feeling. And if you contrast that with us humans, we're very much in our brain, you know, we're very compartmentalized and we separate out a lot, a lot of things, which is why I often feel like so many people and animals have issues (laughs) because the humans are trying to, to work with a gut brain being from an intellectual base and standpoint. And there's very little, um, how do I say, like, dropping back into the essence of who we are, like back into our gut brain and going by feel. Most people that operate around horses, while they could be really competent horse people, most people that operate around horses are actually in in a state of fear, not a state of total relaxation and, and, and like blowing chi. Um, which is the energy that exists within us, which powers our body, but that's also the energy field we exist in. Yeah, yeah. What about your PhD? Did you, you know, how did you bring it together to focus and for your topic? You know, like, yeah, just tell us a little bit about that um, that bit of your journey. Well, if you, (laughs) now people are probably going to go, oh, my God, she's pretty woo. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. I really, I didn't. On February 1st of 2020, before COVID hit, I went to visit um, a new friend. He owns, um, he founded Eagles and Wild Horses Ranch, and he was about an hour and a half from me. So I decided to go over for the day and visit with the Mustang because he does um, rehabilitation work and he does we, we both are Qigong practitioners. So he works with the horses in a very Qi-based way, based on energy. And during that session, like during that day, I had worked off-body on a couple horses. And one horse in particular named Clancy, um, my friend George Brana shared with me, he's like, hey, I can only like kind of, he's been here a year and a half, I can only still scratch just his chest. And so then Clancy walked away and I was like, all right, he's about 40 feet away. So I did an instinct body assessment and fascia release on him. And then he came back over and within, honestly, about 10 minutes after he got his body balanced and I, he had some issues like his eyes, there was like a torque in his eyes, the tension on his eyes, between his eyes and the muscles. And then he also had some pain in his lower back. And when he came back, within 10 minutes, George was scratching past his shoulder on on the top of his belly and then on his low back and then to his tail. Now, he'd been there for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And nothing that George could do could get him past that. Well. I redid his body alignment and all of a sudden he went from, okay, now I'm Mr. Touchable or he went to, okay, now I'm Mr. Touchable. So when I went home that night, I drive through this Canyon and the horses were still connecting with me and they said, pull over. And I said, okay. 
and they said, you're going to do your PhD and you're going to do it with us and you're going to prove that body alignment plays a major role in behavior issues. Mm -hmm. They said, but you're going to do it in a very different way. You're going to do it via Zoom. You're never going to touch us. So there can be no false anything because you can't make a horse do something at a distance. But you can watch as a horse unwinds their body and their baseline behavior shift. So they said, you know, we want you to do that because we want you to show people that even horses that move well, there was not one single horse in the 27 Mustangs that I worked with, not one horse was lame. But every single horse had anywhere from five to 15 things out of whack in their body that I would never have known by looking at them. But I, I start, I, I have this capacity, I guess, with my thumbs. I don't know if you want to call it spidey senses or uh, I don't know what exactly to call it, but it's a super sensitivity in my thumbs that I can literally feel their backs at distances. And I can also release the fascia, which allows the bones to slip back into place. And so they said, you're going to film every single one of these case studies and you're going to demonstrate that we have the capacity to pick up energy, that even with a horse that does not look lame, doesn't mean their body is aligned. There could still be other issues. And they said, you're going to prove quantum entanglements. And I was like, oh, fantastic. Do I get to think about this for a few days? You know, and they were like, sure. And it was really crazy because I had done a master's through a metaphysical university, and I was studying the effects of Qigong practice on teenage boys in high school that were affected by ADD and ADHD. And I did not know it at the time, but I had also signed up and paid for doing my metaphysical PhD in philosophy through the same school. So when the horse has said, it's time to do your PhD, I had already paid for it. <laughs> I didn't even know. Mm. So that is how that got started. And the horses um, guided me every single way, you know, through it. They guided me through every every connection of, of the horses that were going to be in the study. And this was 27 completely random horses that had nothing to do with each other. That all came from different HMAs. Uh, herd management areas that didn't even know each other. A couple of the horses knew each other because a couple of the horses were at George's. Mm. Um, but these were horses I had never touched. And so everything is filmed and you can see every single case study, how I'm working, and then also the behavior changes immediately in the animal. So now you've, you've actually put this out there. You've said, well, I've done the research. I've got a PhD. Oh, yeah. We've got this yeah. there, research is available, and it's like official research. So what implications yeah. now will that research have for the training world? Just, you know, what do you think there? Oh, so I learned from the dogs a long time ago that body misalignment is the number one missing link of understanding yep. in how animals can um, go into behavior patterns. There's two main patterns. One is the body misalignment. The other one is the leadership, you know, and our energy. So from this standpoint, 
what the implications really are is that before, and I just taught my first clinic called the Before the Before, connecting in the middle of the arena, essence to essence with horses. I just taught this at um, Carolyn Resnick's ranch. She invited me to come over after she read my PhD, and she's brilliant. She has dances with horses, and she's pretty much the mother of liberty training for our world over the last hundred years. So the implications are that even if we do not see a lameness by checking the movement of a horse, that does not mean they are comfortable in their own body. And that before we even start moving their body, before we even start asking them for anything, we have to understand this body work as a main component of any type of training we do with them. And I don't care if this is a well-ridden horse. I don't care if this is a green horse. I don't care if this is a never-touched horse. But as humans, and I do teach this work, even the off-body work, I'm teaching this to my students. Um, George and I developed a class on Monday called the Wu Wei of Wild Mustangs. And Wu Wei is a, a principle in Chinese medicine and the Tao of kind of effortless action. It's, it's sort of following the flow. And when we can understand horses at that level that we can actually feel if there's something off or there's something not or there's something they're trying to tell us about their bodies because they're pretty good at masking stuff. And when they can't mask it anymore, it usually turns into a behavior issue or a health issue so that we dive deeper. But unfortunately, the way we're diving deeper isn't always addressing the root of their problem. So the implications for this is that we understand that there's been a major missing link in all of behavior training. And we need to actually be looking at bodies before we even move horses, even if we think that they're fine, even if we think that they're aligned. It's really, really important to know what's taking place in those bodies, because if that horse can feel a fly 12 inches off its back, if I can work on a horse that's 7,000 miles away from me in Egypt using this method and completely having an instant behavior change, these animals are way more sensitive than we realize. They're also, I believe, trying to teach us how sensitive we are. And I think that they're also trying to teach us to tune in on a much different level, get out of our heads and get back into our bodies and really understand the authentic place of essence where the writing comes from. You know, comes at a much gentler level than what a lot of people are used to. And I also think that the, there's implications for the humans. If the horses are telling us, hey, our body alignment massively affects our brain chemistry uptake, because when I do a full body assessment on an animal, even at distances, and we get immediate shift in behavior, we sometimes get an immediate shift in the coat looks totally different. The body structure looks different. So if their bodies are telling us, hey, body misalignment is at the root of many behavior and health issues, well, what about the implications for the humans? 
maybe instead of us assessing from the neuroscience perspective of the brain, it's the body alignment that's actually the master key that runs the chemistry to the brain. So think about all these kids that land up on drugs because, you know, their brain chemistry screwed up. How many kids play sports? How many kids, they learn to walk. They come out of a birth canal that's much smaller than they are. You know, what if we actually switched our medical focus to, wait a second, let's check the structure first. I mean, the basic premise of biology is that structure will determine function. And I started to realize that in my study of like, oh my God, even though I failed every math and science class, maybe I really do understand biology at a very, very literal level. So what if we were paying attention not only to our horses, to the dogs, to the cats, to our, to our physical bodies? What if we were getting aligned structurally? How much more optimal brain chemistry could we have without drugs? And then we just supplement if it's off a little bit instead of trying to correct it through drugs. What if we didn't need to go that route? What if we could correct it through body alignment? It's way less expensive. It's way less invasive. It's way more accurate because the other thing that I realized was when the body alignment is out, it's usually somewhere going to affect the breathing and the respiration. Somewhere we we tightened ourselves up when we got hurt and we're breathe we're breathing still because we're not, you know, supposed to pass away at that time. But the breath, like the body structure, if it if it takes a hit, the breath will shorten. When the breath shortens, it affects the chemistry going to the brain. That chemistry going to the brain affects the entire nervous system. And when we can do something really, really, really simple, and my method is very simple, and I can pretty much teach it to anybody. Well, when the body opens up, then all of a sudden what we were holding on to with some pain somewhere, the breathing opens up. The breathing opens up, shifts the brain chemistry. The brain chemistry shifts the entire nervous system. There's pretty much all of your complicated neuroscience for behaviors and health in a nutshell. That's a pretty big implication. And that comes directly from the teachings of the horse, not because I say so. This is what they showed me. This is actually the way that the science really is. So I found that fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking, you know, because there's a lot of research done into, you know, pain points in the horse. And yes. the vet, Dr. Sue Dyson, did a video on pain points. Now, does your work mm-hmm. align with it. these findings, not align with these findings? Is there, you know, is there any different? Because I think that we've got to keep learning. And even if even if Absolutely. two people don't align, you've got to find mm-hmm. out why. You know, but can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I have watched Dr. Dyson's video. I think it's fabulous. I think that um, she's got some of the pain points. But when I work the body, I'm going from the nose all the way up the face, all the way down the bladder meridian. So every single vertebrae of the spine is included. 
The vertebrae of the spine also hook into the nerves and can compress on a nerve. All the nerves hook into the organs. So when I'm working, and here's like two things that are actually really, really kind of cool and require way less like complicated medical testing or blocking this or blocking that to like identify what the horse is experiencing. One, my assessment is completely comprehensive. Like it goes all the way down the back. We don't miss anything. And then it goes all the way down the front line and the belly line. So right there, it's the body telling me, okay, here's, here's where I'm out. Here's where I'm off as I check all those points. The second piece of utilizing animal communication, which again, it's not woo-woo. It's actually how the animals communicate with each other. I can just ask the horse. I don't have to go and try to figure anything out. I am literally asking the body and the body is telling me, here's where it hurts. Here's where the issue is. Here's where it started. Here's the pathway to clear it up. And that can be done very simply with either hands-on or hands-off body alignment. Sometimes they will share like, okay, a supplement will help, you know, support me with this. So I will use muscle testing. Sometimes they say, hey, just I, this homeopathic remedy would be fabulous for my body. Like their bodies already know this wisdom. So I always say, if you want to know the truth, and I don't care if it's about training, working on bodies, riding, anything. Imagine if we start using animal communication as the real science that it is to just recognize how intelligent these beings are, and they can tell us right away. We, we somehow cut off, right, that knowingness intelligence, and we're like, I don't know, you have to ask the vet. I don't know, you have to. It's like, yeah, but the horse knows. So what if we start by asking the horse? And what's cool about my work, too, is I have a lot of backup with, you know, I, I'm not telling people just to believe me. I'm like, you know, get check this with your vet. Like, get the blood work. Get the, you know, get them and make sure that there's the science on this so we're not missing anything. But it is fascinating because oftentimes either what I've said exactly is what shows up on the blood work or shows us, you know, that yeah. they're okay or it's this organ or it's this organ. The other part of it is we all know the times when we go to the vet because something's going on with our animal and we know something is going on because they're exhibiting different behaviors or health patterns. And then we get back, well, we don't know, right? Because that often happens. We, <laughs> we don't know. Yep. Well, this is a place where we step out of woo and we step into, okay, we've got physical parameters and characteristics that Western medicine can um, identify. But then we have the fact, like what I learned from traditional Chinese medicine and the five element theory, yeah. our energy is what runs our body. So sometimes when stuff shows up on a blood test, you're already in deeper doo-doo because now you literally have a physical problem in the body. But when stuff shows up because your animal is not behaving, you know, the way they normally do or because there's a health issue, well, now you're dealing with an energy system issue. And that's exactly what my work 
so powerfully addresses because we are energy and energy is what runs our bodies, the animals' bodies, we're mammals. You know, it's going to pretty much work the same way in all of us. But if they can't find a physical reason, then they're kind of like, well, we're not sure what to do, except more tests. But when you can work through the alignment of the body and work all of those energy pathways and get the structure rebalanced, and like I said, oftentimes, right, if the structure's out, the breathing's out, if the breathing's out, it affects the nervous system and the brain chemistry. Well, you can reset all of that simply and really like help behavior issues shift and help health issues shift before it ever becomes like a quote unquote, like physically registered problem on a blood test. So thinking about the future of horses, the future riding Mm -hmm. and training, just explain Mm -hmm. why your research holds so much promise, you know, because a lot of people listen to the podcast and they... They're thinking, well, how's this going to affect my competition scores? How's this going to help me with my business of training horses? How's this going to make me a better rider? So just talk a little bit about why the research holds so much promise for horses, Mm. future of riding, future of training. That is a great question and a big question. Um, So That's one from my listeners. (laughs) Ooh, okay. It's many, many levels, okay? So many of us in the horse world think that we're here to teach the horse, to train the horse. We know what's best for the horse. We don't. I'm just going to say it point blank. It might piss a lot of people off and it might upset a lot of people who have years and decades of knowledge. We don't even realize that horses are telepathic animals that we can communicate with directly. I mean, that's that's the first thing, Okay. So what I really feel, the biggest thing that it's going to bring about, there's going to be a massive shift in consciousness of who horses are, of who we are as humans. I think we're going to massively get past the ego of we know best, applying that to a creature that's been on the planet for 56 million years of evolution. I think that as humans, we're going to grow up and we're going to recognize that regardless how far out on a limb we go with what we think intellectually we know that things are going to come full circle and everything's going to get really really simple and that like if you want to have a horse if you want to work with your horse it's going to become a very internal process where the horses actually start showing a lot of the humans where they might need to scoop their own poop, you know, and grow and transform personally. I think it's going to transform the way competition is is done. I think it's going to transform what we see as these rigid rules and, and you know, the, 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 like whatever, qualifications or classifications. I think it's going to bring us back to the natural beauty and wisdom of just being with another sentient being that has so much information to share with us about who we really are as humans and becoming a more humane, you know, system. Um, I think it's going to massively shift the way that we train horses, that, that before we just go right into training, like, we've got to have this connection. 
you know, like they have with their own herd numbers. And we've got to stop looking down on them as a species that's less than humans, because I will tell you, I've been around a lot of humans in my life, and I've been around a lot of horses, domestic and wild. And they're far more intelligent in so many ways than us. And they hold an exquisite space for us to start to evolve our own humanity. And that's going to trigger a lot of people, you know, especially the people that are in the box of, well, this is about training and this is about competition. No, not not from the horse's perspective. That's only humans that go there, you know. That's only the humans that have that agenda. So what if you could go there and you want to jump a six-foot fence? Great. Do it bridleless, you know. Do it bitless. Do it without shoes. Like. I I oddly feel like it might bring us full circle back to the times of like Xenophon and what the true art of horsemanship was. And I think it's going to bring us back full circle to a really, really simple relationship of very deep love, very deep gratitude and very deep respect and humility for the fact that the horse even allows us to get on their back let alone doesn't try to kill us, quite honestly. So I feel like there's huge implications, and it might not be in the way that most people want to hear or understand that, but I think it's going to evolve into a much simpler, gentler, kinder way of being together. What about the horses themselves? You know, what have you learned from them? And something that, what have you learned from horses themselves that many others haven't? So as a kid and as I grew up, right, I mean, Carolyn Resnick and I talked about this, and she has it in her book, Naked Liberty. It was like, as soon as we heard the sound of horses' hooves, it was like, what is that? You know what I mean? Like, Mm. Like, even though we couldn't see it, like, we just knew that there was something magic. So that magic is always there and for the horses. And I work with a lot of horses that have been very traumatized, that have been stripped of their homeland, that have been stripped of their families, that were stripped of the dignity of being able to take care of their families, you know, and protect them. And I I work with a lot of horses that have been very traumatized by humans, by our neglect, by our narcissism and our arrogance. And And I'm not trying to make humans feel bad. I'm just, truth is truth. And sometimes people, we don't want to hear the truth. But when we can receive it, we can really come back into like a sacred place of humility. I think for the horses, they're already living in an enlightened state of being. They already understand this connection with the divine source and this chi field, this unified field we all live in. For them, what I observe is how humble and how gracious they can be, even after all the things that they have suffered at the hands of man. And to me, when I connect with them or I communicate with them and I ask, you know, like, what's your greatest message that you would want to pass on to humanity? And it's really like coming back into alignment with this energy of communion with all life, which includes being respectful and reverent for every being's life. 
you know? They are not automatons. You don't just get one and then like, oh, I've ridden past that capacity, so I'll just get that one and trade that one out and get another. These are beings that have their own lives. They have their own families. When we inseminate them or we force them to have kids that they might not even want to have in an unnatural way, we really have to understand what we're actually doing and the implications of those things down the line. Because more and more horses are going to slaughter. More and more horses are getting sick sooner and dealing with problems that honestly, they're not horse problems. They're human-made problems. And so their greatest wish for us is that we just remember who we are and we just get to show up in a humane way in our own humanity that we process finally like our own traumas, our own wounds, our own things that have disconnected us from our own bodies so that when we show up for them, it's not just like something we do or something we throw at the horse. Like training is not just doing it at the horse. They hope we remember how deeply connected we really are within our own selves and with them and that we can see past our current limitations of how we, you know, make them lesser beings. I think that's a great message. Mm, mm. I think that's a really good message, yeah. Alicia, if people would like to read your PhD dissertation or just chat to you about this, you know, what's the best way to get in contact with you to just learn a little bit more? Sure. You can email me at info at animalhealer, H-E-E-L-E-R.com. You can also check out my website, aliciamain.com, A-L-L-E-C-I-A, main, M-A-I-N-E.com. And if you'd like to see my work, I have a YouTube TV show called The Animal Healer. H-E-E-L-E-R, and I have 23 different episodes with wild horses, donkeys, cats, dogs, um, wolf dogs that show and demonstrate pretty clearly how I work at a distance and the things that really can transpire even within an hour. Some of them are behavior issues. Some of them are health issues. Um, Some of them are communicating with you know, our loved ones on the other side. Um, And some of them are just instantaneous behavior changes in animals that probably will blow your mind because you're like, how could that animal change its behavior just from body work? How could that animal change their behavior from hundreds to thousands of miles away in an hour? And like, how is this even possible? But that's, that's the quantum reality that we really live in. And it is something that everybody can learn. This is not, would you say I have a special gift for it? Well, I've taken it to a pretty deep place because I love it and I think it's amazing. Um, but I also teach courses in how people can learn my body work for their animals and also um, how they can learn to telepathically communicate with animals. Yep, yep. Great talking to you. You as well. Keep up the great work. and um, Thank you. Yes, I think you've got, you know, a very clear message. I think people might come in and go, oh, I don't want to listen to this. It's just 
woo-woo, but I think when you boil it down yeah. and you break it down fairly well, you know, like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I was there. I was there because if you would have told me to stop at like 14, 15, 16, even 20 years old. Yeah. I grew up in the Bronx. You know what I mean? Like mm. we're pretty practical. We're pretty like down to earth. And, you know, if someone said, oh, I can talk to animals and I can help their bodies and their behaviors heal at like thousands of miles away. I mean, I'm coming from the place of understanding where other people would be coming from and be like, woohoo, is she drinking yeah. too much? Is yeah. she smoking yeah. something? Yeah. You know, yeah. like. But, but I mean, all I can really speak to is, well, this has been my experience for the last 28 years with thousands of animals. So either I'm cuckoo or this stuff is real and I'm just understanding how to be able to share it and how to be able, like you said, to really bring it to a very grounded, practical level that it's like, we're all like this not just me. Oh, I think you've just got to have an open mind, you know, and just go, mm-hmm. right, yeah. well, let's look at that. Let's say it's true. What would happen? How would that change? How would that change the yeah. way that I work with my horse? How would that change with my communication with my horse? How would that change? And I think, you, you know, people have just got to look at it and go from there. And I think it's too, it's, it's the potential not can I open my mind to it? It's also, what if we were actually miseducated? What if the education we got wasn't actually the truth about who the animals are and what they know or mm. even who we are yep. and what we're capable of? Yep. What if it's not, don't open your mind to me necessarily, but realize maybe we were miseducated Mm. and all that's happening now might just be we're learning the truth. Mm. And from my extensive experience with studying, you know, Native American culture and and studying with Native American people and also studying the Tao, it's kind of more that the truth of who we really are has been stripped. And so in the beginning, the animals, were the ones that spoke with the people. The, the, the creator spoke directly with the animals, and it was the animals who communicated with the people. Yep. So maybe we're coming full circle, <laughs> that it's the animals that are going to teach us the truth that was taken away from us by a hidden agenda in our indoctrinated education. I think we've definitely got to talk to you again, Alicia. Thank you for now, but um, yes, we'll definitely have to get you back. Thank you, Glennis. This is a pleasure. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 